This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight are Richard Hawes. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. This week, we have... Oh, one, two, three, four, eight. My God, we've got eight Shitloads. An absolute ton. Some of these are left over from last week, but even so, uh, we're going to kick off with the new um, Japanese Yakuza thriller, Bad City. Then we have Next Exit and a new version of The Three Musketeers. Yes, another one. Uh, then we're down to the Mexican border for the Nameless Days. And then uh, uh, popping across to the Emerald Isle for the Irish Mob. Uh, then we're down in France for the Condor's Nest. And ooh, where are we for Dead Bride? That's the Italian, wasn't it? Yeah, off to, off to Italy yes. for Dead Bride. And believe it or not, down to Australia for The Possessed. And then why not? Yeah, let's, let's hop across to Hong Kong for our... Um, DTV short shot, which is Dragon Cop, and then God knows where we are for our DTV throwback, Andron. So plenty to be getting on with tonight, so we better crack on. Our first review then is Bad City. Keiko City is played with poverty and crime. When a corrupt businessman decides to run for mayor and starts eliminating opponents from the rival mafia, a former police captain serving time for murder is secretly released and put in charge of a special task force to arrest him. Now, Steve, um, we were meant to review this last week for for, for our previous show, uh, but Mm -hmm. at the time I was the only one who actually had a chance to see it. How glad are you that we actually held off for a week? Um, not ecstatic. It was enjoyable. It was okay. I'm, I'm getting the idea that you enjoyed it more than me. Um, I think you may be right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was okay. It was just a little, to me, it was a little bit confusing. And I, I weren't sure who was double crossing who or, you know, the political machinations of the main guy, the main villain, or what he was trying to do, or and then mm. the old woman, the old woman, I didn't have a clue where she really came from or what she was doing in it. And I just found it a bit confusing, but I mean, it was shot well, acted well, um, just didn't really grab me as much as I thought it was going to. That's a there. shame. That's a shame. I was hoping hope you love it. I, I absolutely adore this film. Um, yeah. So just for info, the the the, the old woman, uh, she's head of the Korean mafia gang that, that's um, helping these guys out, but they, um, they get betrayed um, by by the main guy, whose henchman I, I believe I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe it's Tak Sagaguchi, um, the guy with the um, the fish knife. Who we see right at the beginning, just carving up people, and then you know yeah. he, he's sort of one of the main antagonists. This is actually the most straightforward sort of Japanese yakuza film I've seen for a while. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Matt, um, what's the other one? Hell Dogs, which is on um, 
uh, Netflix at the moment is also worth checking out, but is a little bit more convoluted than this. Um, but, you know, th this is the age old trope of, um, you know, we're putting a team together, you know, there's mismatched yeah. people who, who are going to be the ones to take them down. Um, and I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. You know, um, I just, absolutely loved it. Again, I thought some of the tones were a bit off as well. I mean, you know, the coppers get, get thrown together. Hmm. They just seemed like comedy characters to me. They they didn't seem that they were in the right film until to begin with. The, the, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I can't, so I, when they're the, the first point, introduced. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When they're, when they're first introduced, it, it does seem like are we meant to be taking these people seriously? Because you got yeah, you got the the the, the young girl who's you know the rookie. And and sort of the blatant sexism that she's having to put up with, you know, mm. um, uh, and then you know the two main cops on, on a team, sort of, you know, you got the the fat guy and the th the thin guy, and you think they they come across as just like the most bumbling, you know, you, you're not, you're not yeah. sure if you're meant to take them seriously until that first fight when when they run yeah. into the um, the Korean guys, and then all of a sudden it's like. Ah, okay, <laughs> you know, and and even she yeah. sort of like you know she takes out one of them quite quite succinctly, um, but then you get that other fight in the middle of the film, you know, where yeah. um, where in in the in the in the fish market when when they get sort of like you know trapped, yeah. and you know the, the thin guy, I, I've no idea who he is, but he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah that yeah. That's, that that scene I mean, was absolutely superb. To be fair, even like the older captain, you know, the mm. guy who gets... Oh, God, he's, he's tough as nails. He, yeah. He, <laughs> I won't mess with him down a dark alley, you know what I mean? He, he's mm. proper kicking some ass and, you know... Yeah. And his voice as well, he sounds like he's more about 60 a day. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I didn't really expect don't. to come out yeah. of him. The, it, um, it's, you know, it, it is very pulpy, you know. It, it is, mm. you know, it, it's almost... Yeah out of a comic book kind of thing you know it, it's it's not a, it's not like a serious police procedural it, it, it's it's no. you know there is an element of fun there's you know lots of brawling and stuff going on you know all these sort of hardball characters um yeah i mean i i, I must admit you know some of the sort of machinations of, of this wheeling and dealing that was going on it, it is sort of a bit beyond me is you know mm. um I, th I think it took a while to understand who one of the characters is, uh, the guy with the glasses, and how he fit between the two. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah still. That sort, of, that sort <laughs> of thing. But but even so, you can sort of gloss over it a bit and just sort of... Yeah. Um, I mean, the fighting style in this film is, is quite unique because it seems to use a lot of either judo or jujitsu um, because there's a lot of like throws and holds and and you know sort of grapples and things going on, but it is incredibly fluid at the same time. You know, it's, it's not like mm. two people just like holding on to each other. You know, it is so fluid, um, and, and you know people are being attacked from all sides and having to sort of squirm out of the way and stuff. It is, yeah, it, it is very modern. It, it, you know, yeah. but it's um, but at the same time. You know, you can you can see the techniques are you know drill, drilled into them, and, and it's it. I I was really impressed with it. I have to say. Mm. Yeah, like I say, it, it was it was 
not terrible. You know, it was enjoyable, but not as I didn't find it as enthralling as you did. To be mm. fair, this is this is a film. I mean, we watched a lot of films this week, and so, some of them are very good. Um, and but even so, every time I was watching something, I was like, I really want to watch Mad City again. Uh, sorry, Mad, <laughs> Mad City again. You know, um, yeah. I believe one hundred one films are only releasing this on online. So it's an online um, sort of VOD download. Yeah. Um, but even so, this is a film I need in my collection. On that note, how are you going to score it, Steve? I'll give it a seven. I'm giving this an eight. So a seven and eight yeah. for Bad City. We do recommend you go check this out. Our next review is Next Exit. A research scientist who makes headlines proving she can track people after death and her radical scientific study is looking for volunteers for a pain-free passing to the afterlife. Rose sees a way out and Teddy sees his chance to finally make it. When fate has the two strangers sharing a car rental, they set out on a lengthy road trip to the unknown. I think the central premise of this is a bit flawed. Um, yeah. You know, in that, oh yeah, we found, we we can prove ghosts exist or we can prove there's life after death. So, so we're looking for volunteers to die just so we can sort of solidify our results. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's a bit strange. Um, but that doesn't sort of um, detract much from the film itself because it is a very interesting film um it's a good sort of character study uh this sort of road trip with these sort of two characters uh one of which is the sheriff from uh midnight mass uh yep. another uh mickey flanagan stuff not mickey flanagan he's a comedian mike flanagan mike flanagan, <laughs> mike flanagan not mickey flanagan <laughs> he was only going out out um yeah um Yes, it is 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 um, pretty good, and and so much so, you know, you you, you get into the characters uh, so much so that you know when, when they get to that inevitable bit, you know, of are mm. they actually going to go through what they're going to do? Uh, it it is sort of it does tug the heartstrings a bit. Um, how do you get on with this one, Steve? It's a bit not slow, but. Yeah, well, no, it is. It's actually quite a slow pace, to be fair. Mm. Um, but the the characters pull you through, you know. The yeah. the charm. I mean, I'm I'm gonna mash his name up. Rahul Coley. Yeah, I'm glad you, you know. had to go first before me. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, right. bastard. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I like him anyway. Coyle, yeah. I thought yes. he's great. He's great in Midnight Mass and. You know, uh, not is it Hill House? Is it? Or is it the second one? It's still um, one in it. I can't remember the one. It's anyway. Uh, Bly Manor. Bly Manor. That's the one. Yeah, Bly Manor. Um, yeah. And he's so, and he's really funny on Twitter as well. He's he's absolutely mm, he hilarious is. on Twitter. Um, so I, you know, I'll give him a pass. I like him anyway. But also, um, Rose as well, Katie Parker. I think they're both really good together, and. Yeah. It's more the if it was just them traveling, it'd be a bit more successful. I think. I think what you say, the central conceit is a bit not daft, but 
just doesn't doesn't weigh up if you know what I mean. It's that it, that to me is the big flaw of the film. To be mm-hmm. fair, and I was a bit gutted with uh, Karen Gillan because she's only in it for about two or three scenes. Yeah, and it's like video, you know, video. Yeah, you're you're saying you're a second hand, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was a bit gutted about that, to be fair. And um, but it moves along. It's it's one of them. As soon as you get in the first five minutes, you know what's going to happen. I mean, Mm. you know, it's not. It's it's signposted. It's Chekhov's gun. It's everything. You know what's going to happen. Um, but it does do it effectively. And you know it's all right. I mean, I was quite surprised that the writer director is also Mally Elfman, he's Danny Elfman's daughter. All right. Yeah, and I'm presuming she's also the daughter of um Thingy. What's his wife called now? Thingy Fonda. Um out of oh, what's she called? Bridget, Bridget Fonda. <laughs> That's All right. Cool. Oh my god! Didn't realize I do. Well, they, I know I know they were together. They might not be now, but <laughs> cool. How are you going to score this one? Ah, no stepdaughter, Bridget Fonda. Um, I'm going to again. I think I'll give it a seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this one's a seven. It's it, it's. I, I went into this one a bit like. Ugh. You know, I think it's going to be one of those. But as I said, you know, the whole bit, you know, you know, when the car breaks down and stuff like that, it, it was mm. it was just really, really, you know, re- really good sort of try uh, humor. Sort of, you know, um, yeah, re- really, really did like it a lot. Um, yeah, and, and and as I said, you know, you get to the end when the, the, you know they actually are, are they going to go through with what they originally planned or have they changed each other's mind? And you know, mm. it, it does sort of leave you on the on the edge of your seat a bit. So, so yeah, definitely uh, a seven out of ten. So it's two sevens for next exit. Go check it out. Our next review is the Three Musketeers. In this adaptation of Alexander Dumas' classic, young D'Artagnan travels to Paris to join the Musketeers and and must help uncover a conspiracy to assassinate the young king. Um, so there's a French production of the Three Musketeers throughout this year. In fact, they're doing two versions or, or two halves of the story, um, just like the Richard Lester one. So, so this has come out a little he- ahead of that. Um, and overall, it's not too bad. I've seen worse, I must admit. Um, I suppose the most controversial... Or, People are going to see as the most controversial part of this is the um, the casting of D'Artagnan, Rich. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a black D'Artagnan before, and I, the the fact that he's black isn't referenced in it in any in any way. I don't think at any point in the film, if I recall correctly. So, it, which I think it probably would do if it was accurate of the time but I, well hard this, to say, is, this but... is interesting because Dumas himself was black interesting so, I did not know that yeah I only I, well any 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 fan of Quentin Tarantino might, might remember this fact from um 
uh, Django Unchained because it was something Christoph Waltz came up with. But I did check. Oh, okay. Yes, I've only seen it once. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, oh. it was, it's, one, it's one of those things that sort of stuck with me. Um, but yeah, so so Duma himself was actually um, uh, blacker. You know, I mean, obviously he was writing, prior, you know, uh, in the past, but even so. So yeah. it's, it's quite conceivable, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's quite, but, I mean, I, I, I'm not aware of many black novelists from that particular yeah. era. So that seems well, right, quite yeah. uh, quite extraordinary. And the, yeah, and obviously, uh, th so this is, so I'm, I'm kind of watching it in that kind of Bridgerton kind of way of like, mm. the, the ra race isn't an issue and it's just a, like a version of the story where, mm -hmm. you know, you, anyone's, anyone from anywhere can be in it basically, although it is mainly, a white British cast in a, in a yeah. French setting novel that one of them is French, which is a bit sort of throws you a bit. Mm. But uh, for the most part, I thought, despite having, you know, it's clearly shot on a really low budget. Uh, yeah. The I was a bit worried from the opening. Uh, I, the last adaptation that we'd seen that was shot on a very limited budget was Steve Lawson's yeah, Fourth Steve Lawson's Musketeer, which, yeah. which uh, I, I do like his films generally, but that one just didn't quite work for me. I really like this overall. I thought I was I was really kind of swept up in it. I don't know how accurate it is to the story of the of the book or any or a previous adaptations, but I thought the yeah. the whole storyline sort of flowed really well. The the script seems really decent. Again, that could be because the dialogue has come from the book itself. I'm not sure or the or the translation of the book, I should say. Mm. Um, the James Cosmo uh, adds a little uh, is probably the most heavyweight member of the cast as Cardinal Richelieu. Was he dubbed? Was that no, his I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think he was. He was. Yeah, no, Good that accent, was his voice. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm always used to him doing like a Scottish accent. So, oh, I think he does all sorts, idiot. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's not doing a French accent here, but he's yeah. uh, he's sort of doing. Sort but he's of good. Yeah, yeah. nobleman yeah. sort of. I mean, you think you know you think you think in the past of like other other um, you know, Cardinal Richelieu's. I mean, we've had Charlton Heston in, in the Richard Lester ones. You know, had the we've had Tim Curry, I think. In the um, the Disney one, um, can't remember who was in the others, but yeah. So yeah, I thought I thought yeah, James Cosmo, why not? And I thought he, he he was really good. Yeah, I thought the you know the action scenes and there that was one of the problems with the Fourth Musketeer. I just didn't think mm. the action scenes were strong enough. Here, there's some pretty decent you know um, some pretty decent mm -hmm. swordplay. Um, the com you know the the characterization is really good the camaraderie and stuff the, i mean the whole the whole setup at the original in in the early scenes of he goes uh, he goes into the bar and he's looking for for someone and he, you know he's actually on a, he's actually trying to find the three musketeers and wouldn't you know it he gets yeah. into conflict with three all three of them and then they have to meet mm. up the bar outside or something i don't say i don't know if that's in the book or it's just a mm. contrivance here oh, but, it is. it's but, one of it's one of the main you know one of the the first so parts of the book is the fact that he upsets all three of them, you know, oh, okay. and ends up sort of like scheduling a duel like one after the other. And of right, right, okay. Mm. So that so that is accurate. So yeah, it's the um one, but once the characters are established and they're on their journey and stuff, I thought I didn't I didn't have a problem. With, I was quite in, engaged with it and drawn into it and really interested. And I'll, although you know films of this era, you know the the sort of fancy adventure, you know, or not fancy, but this kind of you know adventure mm -hmm. story uh, from you know bygone by you know this is the sort of thing that yes they do make them now occasionally like you say there's a coming upcoming french uh, adaptation and they they also did the um 
Paul W.S. sort of steam, mm. more steampunky sort of version, I guess. The, 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 yeah. um, Heightened uh, reality version. <laughs> yeah. Um, but mm. really, you've got to go back to sort of the 2000s, I think, to or, or before, you know, like when Mask of Zorro and the Man in the Iron Mask yeah. and all that were kind of a, around. And um, they re- these are the kind of movies that, no, they actually don't make many of these anymore. It's, mm. more, it, you know, it's much more contemporary stories or you know sci-fi or horror lot horror obviously um but sort of period adventure is there something quite quaint and old-fashioned and sort of mm. uh, enjoyable about this i think for for people who you know it stands out i think from from other adventures because it's a, an adaptation of the three musketeers that's not trying to be something else um the asylum did one where they tried to make it all contemporary and you know all about guns and stuff which you know there's there have been various different attempts to contemporize yeah. it. And I think that's the one thing that's quite interesting here is yes, the rate the you know, the race of the lead actor is probably the most uh, notable thing about it, the most contemporary thing about it, but everything else is very old fashioned. Absolutely. Um yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I mean, I I've seen loads, I've I've read the book. Um I'm a big fan of the book as it goes. Um obviously, you know, they they did cut stuff out the whole plot about the necklace and, and the Duke of Buckingham and that sort of stuff. Oh, they uh, only had an hour and a half, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They only had an hour and a half. They cut it down. Um, but, you know, they, they, they kept the, the, the main plot of, you know, the, the or came up with their own plot about the sort of assassinating the, uh, the king. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought they did a good job of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I say, I thought Malachi Puller Latchman as D'Artagnan was really good. Um, he's, you know, the, got a, a bit of a John Boyega sort of vibe about yeah. him. He was also in the film uh, Hounded, which I, I keep meaning to see uh, with uh, Samantha Bond, I think. Um, I didn't quite catch that one last year, but yeah, I thought he was he was good. This is the first time I've seen him. He was also in a film called Shark Bait, which I think is an upcoming... I think I that's another. Seen, uh, that's oh that no, yeah, sorry, yeah, Shark Bay, yeah, yeah, that's the James Bond movie, yeah, no, so I have seen one. him in something before. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't put the dots together, but no, he was, um, yeah, so he was in that, and uh, it was just because the poster I was looking at on IMDb, it's a completely different poster oh, right, to the one yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm familiar with. So there are so many films called Shark, whatever. Oh, uh, I just, yeah. I didn't pick out that it was the same movie, but um, yeah, so I definitely look interested to. To, so, I mean, he hasn't done that many films. He's, he's been sort of working his way up in uh, mm. in various shorts and EastEnders and, and stuff like that. So he's, you know, he's clearly uh, the last couple of years, he's, you know, his, his career is sort of climbing up a bit. And uh, yeah, okay, this is not a very big budget movie, but it's a good showcase, I think, for his talents. And I say, I think the rest of the cast did a really good job as well. And mm. um, people who like, you know, old fashioned adventure films will really enjoy this, I think. Absolutely. If you're a fan of the Musketeers and that sort of thing, um, definitely check this out. How are you going to score it, Rich? I'll give it a seven. Yep. Two sevens for the Three Musketeers. Go check it out. Our next review is The Nameless Days. On the border between the United States and Mexico, once every 20 years, there are days that locals call timelessness. At this time, the gods to whom the ancient Aztec tribe made sacrifices descend to Earth to take human souls. Um, There was a film, guys, we reviewed last year with Frank Grillo, um, where he was the owner of a a ranch and his son ended up killing 
uh, like a you know an immigrant, and he yeah. goes on a sort of quest. I I was actually reminded of that, especially of the character that Frank Grillo played in that film, with with um, the girl's dad in mm. this um, because it was that sort of same situation. But he, but he got two people sort of dealing with it in very different ways. Um, he, yeah. But we 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 learn why as as the film goes on. You know, um, a dad sort of has a very sort of deep-seated grudge against, um, you know, the sort of Mexicans coming across the border illegally and that sort of thing. Um, and then we sort of find out why, and, and you know, he has this sort of act of contrition towards the end. But I, I found this film to be very slight overall. You know, it mm. is it, it is a very one-note film, to be honest. There's a threat, and the people trying to get out of the way of that threat, and that's that's basically it unfortunately um having said that it is sort of quite nicely shot and i did like the ending but steve what did you make of the uh, the, the, uh, steve what did you make of the nameless days yeah i think you've hit the nail on the head with the word slight it is it's not very scary but i did like the you know the actual human participation, you know, the the characters with each other. I thought them scenes worked really well. It reminded me of something like Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. Where, you know, because you say, well, you know, you can't kill something that's already dead. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, you can't, all you all you can do is run away or stay away from whatever it is until the the is it five days are up or something you yeah, know that's it, yeah and that always takes out a bit of I don't know a bit of tension to me it just well you know it's just going to come back again in twenty years mm-hmm. or twenty five years or whatever it is you know you know there's no way it can be defeated if you know what I mean so whenever something like that happens in a film it always kind of turns me off anyway but that said I thought I love the ending Mm. what happens I thought was great because it it, it did throw me I didn't expect it to be fair (laughs) and again yeah it is it's very slight I mean the bit that got me is when they go around to like a dad's mates. Yeah. And as soon as you say something like demonic, he's like, right, yeah, we're on it. You know, there's no <laughs> there's no arguing with with, you know, no what hmm. you're talking you're talking shite, don't talk that. Why why are you thinking that? He's straight, right, yeah, fair enough. Let's go. Let's let's find yeah. out. You know, well, that's, that's what I liked it, about it because he's seen shit. He's, you know, he, he's been yeah, around the yeah. world. He's, he, you know, he's he, he's done things. He knows he knows people who've done things. So, so yeah, he's, yeah, he's a bit more sort of open minded about it, which which I like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the dad's yeah. more level Eddie Chow, which says like, yeah, whatever. But, it's immigrants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, he tried. I presume he's trying to go for an analogy. Against that, you know, but it, oh yeah, yeah, light is is the word I'd use because it's not it's not scary enough. It's not really gory enough as well. To be fair, I mean, I'm not a gore hound, as you know, mm. but 
there's there's probably no blood in it. Literally, I don't they, think they they talk about it more than they show yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Having said that, the actual sort of um, you know the makeup design of of the main sort of creature, the demon, I thought that was pretty good. You know, about, yeah, it's not bad. Um, I mean, we only with really see yeah. right at the end, True. really. Yeah. Which which which. You know, I do normally kind of like it gives you that bit of suspense, but with this, it doesn't build any tension, doesn't build any suspense. So I, I think that kind of let it down as well. I think, I don't, I don't know. I mean, certain films like this, where they where they don't have a particularly large cast, mm. or, you know, so, so you, you know, either they're going to kill everyone off, so you just got one person left at the end of the film. You know, for the yeah. for a whole half of the film or something, or you know, or, or you're not going to sort of see many people getting bumped off until until right mm-hmm. towards the end. So, you know, there there is a bit of that as well. Um, but overall, I mean, it was nicely shot. I have to say, some good night for photography and that, and that ending. You know, on, on top of the mountain, I thought that was really well shot. Um, yeah, breaking dawn and everything. I thought thought that worked really well. So yeah, um, there's definitely positives here, but. It's it's a bit a bit throwaway, I think. You know, um, mm. as you say, you know, maybe there's a bit of sort of a metaphor for the you know the crisis of the border, or uh, say crisis. I mean, there isn't a crisis, but there you go. Um, you know, there's that, but you know, overall for an international audience, I think it just comes across as being a bit a bit throwaway overall. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to score it? I'll give it a six. Yeah, it's definitely a six. Two sixes for The Nameless Days. Go check it out. Our next review is The Irish Mob. This tells the story of crime boss Val Fagan and the dark world of gangland Dublin. Fagan leads a violent, bloody and ruthless gang who are the main target of Garda detectives after an audition after an audacious cash depot robbery. Um, I'll give this thing one, you know, just to start off with, it's got a well, really sna- it's got a really snazzy um, opening credit sequence, which I was yeah. quite taken with. I thought, yeah. hmm, okay, that's a good start. Um, I don't know, th- this wasn't ruthless enough for me. It wasn't, it, you know, it's, it's a violent, bloody and ruthless gang. They're not Violent and bloody enough, or ruthless enough. Mm. Really, you, you know what I mean. This this really yeah. pales against something like um, uh, the Rise of the Foot Soldier series or something like that. You know, that's that's what it's aiming for, I guess. But it's just not really on that level. It, yeah, you know? it's a bit. It's a bit toothless, isn't it? Really. Mm. But I, I did enjoy it. To be fair, I. I yeah. It was a bit more accomplished than what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I mean, yeah, I mean, the budget isn't massive, you could tell, but I was yeah. really, I don't I don't know why, I just thought, no, this is going to look and be really, really cheap. And it wasn't. Um, I thought the actual cam work was pretty, pretty damn good. I'd say the only one that let it, the thing that really let it down, I think, was the performance mm. of the main guard of the Liz, was it Liz Delahunt? 
Oh, yeah. Um, I, I didn't like her performance at all. I thought she was just wooden and it was underplayed. Um, but everyone else I really enjoyed. And the thing is, with, with things like this, I know it's a bit, he's a bit good fellas here, obviously, but mm. you know he's a, he's a prick. You know he's an arsehole. <laughs> And you know, and you get there's a scene about halfway through that really, really confirms it. Mm. And you, it just makes you kind of lose respect for the character in a way, you know. Yeah. But I think that's what you know. That's what it's supposed to be doing. And I was very, very, very surprised with the ending. To be fair, and mm. what actually happens. And that that took me by surprise and kind of wrapped it up quite neatly to be fair. Because something sometimes like this it can be not meandering, but it's left quite open. And yeah. but with this it, it really wasn't. And to be fair, it's only what eight about eighty minutes. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And again, which I was quite surprised because I thought it could be quite a sprawling mess in a way, but it's not. It's actually quite tight and concise. And uh, better than I thought it was going to be, to be fair. I, I don't think I don't think the name helps it as well. Yeah. They managed they manage to sort of, stay, for the most part, stay clear of the IRA and things like that as well. You know, this mm. is, uh, you know, just organised crime, uh, basically. I, I do have an issue with the, um, the voiceover narration. Uh, because it, it, mm. it's it's written like um, oh, what's his face uh, from um, who's the guy who wrote the Da Vinci Code? Oh, Dan Brown. Dan Brown, yeah. It 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 reads like that. I, I mean, I don't know if you ever read any Dan Brown stuff. He he, he writes mm. he writes he writes chapters which are like two to three pages long. And, yeah, and they all yeah, they yeah. always end with something like. Little did he realise that that was going to come in useful later on, you know. And there's a bit of that in in the um, in the voiceover, you know, uh, which to try and sort of like, oh, I've got to hang on a little bit longer to sort of see what he's talking about. That's really yeah. annoying. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you in that it was relatively compelling. You know, there, there was enough going on to sort of keep you watching to sort of see if they're going to get away with stuff or how they're going to, you know, because, um, you know, the main guy, uh, Val Fagan, you know, his, his bosses are putting pressure on him to raise mm. money because, because the, you know, the whole organization lost a shipment of cocaine. Um, and, you know, they need to buy more, obviously, or they're going to run out. Um, so so it, was, it was interesting, you know, uh, on, on that level. And as you say, you know, you got the cops sort of coming from them from the other side. So, so there was a lot of that, and, and the you know the the budget constraints didn't show through too much mm. either. So, yeah, it's it's just you know nobody seemed to be as ruthless and as nasty as they as they tell you they are. Yes, yeah. you know that's basically any real any real issue I've got is you know, but. Um, other than that, you know, especially the Irish one, I suppose, thinking there's going to be a bit more to it, but no. Anyway, how are you going to score this one? Um, I'll give it a seven. 
Well, I'm going for a six on this one. So a six and a seven for the Irish mob. Go check it out. Our next review is Condor's Nest. A decade after the fall of Nazi Germany, an American aviator travels across South America in search of war criminals and encounters more than he bargained for. I was quite surprised with this one, Rich. Um, the initial uh, press pack that we received um, had a very sort of, yeah, typical um, sort of DVD artwork, um, which which made this look like it was a you know yet another World War Two sort of you know war movie, which a couple of years ago we were kind of inundated with, weren't we? You know, yeah, one out every week, so. I was quite surprised that this turned out to be something completely different. I mean, it starts off in World War II in 1944 with this uh, American bomber being shot down in France. Uh, but then events, you know, move forward. Um, and we have our sort of main guy um, who, who's in sort of, you know, he starts off in Argentina, I think it is, um, looking for a particular um, sort of lieutenant in the SS, uh, played by Arnold Vosloo which I thought was awesome. Um, and, and he ends up in this sort of interesting sort of weird sort of triangle um, with a uh, member of um, Mossad and another Nazi who um, has managed to sort of convince him that he can help him get, you know, his target if he, if he escorts him into, um, is it Bolivia? I can't remember. Uruguay, I think it is. Was it Bolivia? Well, I think it's Paraguay. Paraguay, there you go. The other one. Um, and and yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I must admit, it, it, it builds quite nicely. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Some good action scenes, and you know this interesting sort of characterization. This guy sort of stuck between, you know, doing the right thing and doing what's personal. Um, how did you find it? Yeah, I liked it as well. The um, it it is it does say look like from the poster that they've used over here. It's your generic soldier looking, you know, with a you know back yeah. turn to the camera kind of thing. We there was one particular film that we uh, we talked about in the past where essentially the film had been released like three times and they changed the cover, but it was always yeah. that same basically same basic image formation and we've seen it time and time again so the, i was going in thinking this was generic world war ii movie and yes it is a world war ii movie but it's a post world war ii movie it's more of a uh the uh what's it uh the you know dealing with the aftermath kind of yeah. you know sort of the the holdover the 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 uh, the, the need for revenge and sort of to get justice yeah. following following the um uh, you know the the, the restoration of, of uh, sanity. The film itself, uh, it again a bit like the Three Musketeers one, very low budget. Not really, you know, some of it's not really my cup of tea. But I was very drawn into it. I was very engaged with the the performances and the uh, and the and the storyline. I thought the whole you know the intrigues and stuff played really well. Uh, I was you know uh, quite you know it's kind of uh, some of the twists and turns maybe a bit obvious but the the film does change as it moves on and i think there's it's 
interesting, but it's also a little bit to the detriment that there are whole uh, the char the main characters who we're focusing on we leave for quite a significant amount of time to spend time with the, the villains, uh, yeah. which sort of threw me a bit. You know, they're having like big long. I mean, we've seen it a little bit is board meetings or you know gatherings, and but these mm. scenes are like really long, and there's some some of them are like one after another. Uh, so it's only really it, uh, it's in that sort of third act that it sort of goes a bit uh, in two different directions and the main characters themselves who sort of come together, they sort of go off to conclude their stories at different points. So yeah. it's a bit um, disjointed come the end. But I thought I was really interested in the characters and uh, I like the story, the, you know, the, the sort of the, what, the idea that it posits, you know, that it's that it hooks its hat on as the story progresses, I thought was an interesting one. Mm. Uh, it's probably it's quite possibly been done in other movies, but I, I, I it wasn't something that sort of sprang to mind. It seemed quite a bold idea to be running with, uh, which a little bit uh, different to um, some of the other. So let let's say um, a film might posit, you know, what happens if Hitler didn't die in the bunker? Well, this does a this does a similar kind of thing, but with with a different sort of situation hmm. um we've also got now this was the other thing that really impressed me um is a lot of it is in german now hmm. the easy way out with a lot of these um american i think this is an american made uh, what you know wartime story or post-war you know war movie let's hmm. call it a war movie for you know, argument's sake uh, so is to shoot everything in english yeah but no what we've got is <laughs> significant amounts of the dialogue is in mm. German yeah. and also not just I mean there's like a whole there's like whole scenes of people just talking German which I was really impressed by because that, that sort of seemed to me that they were sort of trying to go the extra mile with mm. this and not make it you know make it a more of a uh, an authentic experience which I thought worked well we've even got people we've got some surprise appearances or surprise, depending on your scene on the credits. But Bruce Davidson is in one of the scenes. Where he's, I only spotted him in one scene, and he and he barely has anything to do. But then he says something in German, and I was I'm pretty sure that's the only bit he's got in the film. But I thought that was quite odd. That <laughs> sort of made yeah. it stand out a bit. There's a few other people in. There. Michael Ironside turns up as a Russian. Uh, he's he's doing an accent. He's doing an accent, but he's 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 being Michael Ironside, which is fine. Um, but uh, who else have we got in there? Oh, yeah, you said Arnold Vosloo, who's you know been around, done all sorts of uh, roles over the years. He's been working, he's been doing a lot more high-profile stuff in his native South Africa lately. A lot of it going to uh, you know Netflix and stuff like that. Uh, so interesting to see him in another uh, English language role. I haven't seen him, you know, because he, he sort of paid his dues in a lot of this stuff back in the Christ. You go all the way back to what? Um, Hard target. target. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, and obviously was the main villain in the Mummy and stuff. He's always really, and he did the Dark Man sequels. That's sort of his DTV sort of, uh, sort of heritage. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great. Uh, he, you know, he brings that same, I mean, he pretty much only plays the same kind of performance, but it's always a, you know, it's always, always a compelling one. Um, and there was a guy from Lost, Jorge Garcia in there somewhere but i honestly didn't unless, until i saw his name in the credits i was like i did not notice him in it at all i don't know if I'd, it was a blink and you'll miss it but they've got they've got a good cast in this i mean it must be said 
Um, yeah. I say most of the principles are unknowns, but there's some really solid support. Yeah, I, I thought this was very enjoyable. I, I'd put this alongside um, another World War film we covered last year called The Burial, which, which I yeah. thought... See, I like this more a... than Burial. I wasn't fussed yeah. on The Burial. I, I like but the yes, burial. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, it's a similar sort of budget, you know, similar sort of amount of action and stuff. I, I think they would play quite favourably together, you know, um, as, as a sort of double bill. Um, and on that note, Rich, how are you going to score Condor's Nest? I am going to, because it went the extra mile, I think I'm going to give it an eight. And I would say uh, another film to compare it to, uh, a film made with a lot more money, uh, was Anthropoid, which yeah. was also a kind of film de dealing with sort of after um after the war uh, you know going to, uh, well, you know, no, no, seeking... that was, that, well anthropoid is actually set during the war oh sorry i'm thinking of something yeah. else then i apologize maybe i'm thinking of one, right. one of the other films another yeah. film anyway a good <laughs> it's good film. yeah anthropoid's good yeah. yeah but sorry not not the film i was thinking of <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna join you on an eight yeah I, I thoroughly enjoyed this um very good film certainly not the film i, I expected it to be um but yeah definitely worth checking out two eights for condor's nest go check it out our next review is dead bride after her father's death allison her partner richard and their baby return to her childhood home that's brief thanks imdb mm. for that um because what she finds out is what killed her father and is still lurking around the property is the basically the ghost of a dead grandmother i believe um yeah, yeah. The, this is um, an italian film which has been redubbed into english and i must admit it surprised me on on certain levels the opening sort of prologue was actually genuinely creepy i, I thought yeah. that, that actually worked really really well the thing with the shadow um, in, in the attic when he's sort of shining his mm. torch. Um, I thought that was excellent. I've, I've seen that done before in a film called The Pack 2, um, but it works really, really well. Um, really enjoyed that. There's some really good creepy stuff all the way through. Um, there is one, I say one, I mean, the, the film does sort of lurch around a bit in terms of sort of logic and things, it has to be said. But yeah. the, 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 the bit which sort of, I must admit, sort of threw me out of the film a bit was um, when Alice, um, sorry, Alison, convinces the same priest who had tried to exorcise her mum to help her out. And, it, and eventually goes, yeah, OK, I'll help you out. I'll see you in the morning. And then, you know, he gets accosted by the ghost on the way home. I was like, OK, so, so this is supposed to be a curse about her. And yet, you know, it's branching out. You know, it's doing yeah. these side. Yeah. It's doing. It's basically doing side quests. You know, you know what I mean. It's like, well, this is this is this is where the curse is. But yeah, well, maybe if I guess do do a couple of side quests, it might help. Um, so so that threw me. But even so, that whole sequence I thought was still very good. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot to like here. It, it does sort of lose its way a few times. Um, and I did get a bit confused when Dave turned up, and yeah. when we get these when we get these flashbacks to it, um, and it, you know, there's somebody else who looks a lot like Dave um, in the flashbacks. It was like, oh, I see. But um, 
yeah, overall, there's a lot to like here, Steve. Yeah, I mean, there's a few bits, like you said, that 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 don't work. I mean, to me, it was it's like the Italian Insidious, basically. Yeah, they, in in fact, they do the Insidious bit, don't they? You know, with, with yeah. the, the the demon hiding behind somebody else's head, sort of thing, so they can just sort of yeah that bit. Yeah. And- and then you know when she goes into like the demon world or whatever mm. in, in in the end, I mean, like I said, that, that bit started off really effective, you know, where she's in the coffin and such and stuff like that. And yeah, some of it works, some of it doesn't. I mean, the bit that really was the bit with the baby at first, mm. when she picks him up and it's clearly a doll. <laughs> You know, it, it's the worst fake baby since American Sniper. Mm. And that kind of like really took me out of it at that point for a bit. And yeah, the the, the dubbing's not great as well, I'll be honest. Mm. Um, it's a bit, bit like well, the, the house, house on the cliff last last week. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah. you know. Yeah, very, terrible. very obviously dubbed. Yeah. 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 It's still. Just subtitle it, it's easier. Mm. You know, it, you know or at, I, least, at least offer the subtitles, you know. The, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe when it's on DVD, you, you can do. I mean, obviously, I, mm. you know, it's a link that we've got, so maybe yeah. they've, they've just done that, as it were. Mm. But yeah, there's it's peaks and troughs in this one, you know, some really good bits, and then there's some bits that yeah. don't really make sense or don't don't work like a lot of the was, stuff I, yeah i was, I was never completely yeah yeah I was, I was never completely understood why uh was it a, wasn't a mum was it was it a mum he got married? yeah it was a, no it was a it's a, it a grandmother wasn't it he got married I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it was a grandma i think it was a granddad's first wife that's right yeah. he then remarried and was a grandma yeah. But but he uh, he presumably he had murdered her or something. But was, yeah, the reason yeah. the reason why was not clear to, no. at all. Um, no, you know what what kicked it all off in the first place. But there you go. No, but yeah, I, I, I must admit I was I was pleasantly surprised by this. I, I, you know, I, I thought well it could be anything. You know, with it with <laughs> title like Dead Bride. So I was surprised yeah. to sort of see it was an Italian production for a start. Um, was, you know, there, there was some very effective scares in it. There a lot of jump scares mm. uh, overall, but some of it was actually quite effective. Um, so yeah, the, the, you know, this was there was a lot of good effort in this one. Um, there were there were some really weird bits as well. There's a scene where um, uh, she's with her husband, and the, and the, the camera's in front of them, and they're just chatting. And the yeah. camera sort of, they move the camera around to a different position. And they're not saying anything. They just sort of stood staring at, you know, sat staring at the wall. And I was like, okay, we're going to move. We're going to change the, the shot. And we just want you to stare at the wall and do nothing for yeah. 10 seconds. It was, you know, very, very strange why, why that was left in there. But there you go. You know. Anyway. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff here. How are you going to score it? I'll give it a six. It is a six. 
um, the dubbing hurts and and is a bit sort of all over. But you know, there's some there is some good genuine sort of creepy bits in this one for sure. Mm. So two sixes for Dead Pride. Go check it out. Our final main review is The Possessed. Exorcist Jacob Chandler is summoned to uncover the layers of demonic deception at play by his nephew's new girlfriend, Atalie Carlisle. Now, Jacob Chandler is an actual person. And this film is a dramatized version of some of his early cases, believe it or not. Um, We've got John Jarrett who played Mick Taylor in the um, Wolf Creek movies. Um, oh, as, right. Yeah, as uh, Jacob Chandler. Totally different, you know, character. Um, who uh, he, he can perform these, what he calls, clearings of people's, you know, people, their soul has been clouded by sort of demonic spirits and things like that. And it is very effective. And I always find that this sort of film, you know, films about possession and stuff, you know, a lot of it hangs on how convincing the possessed person is. Um, and they do a pretty decent job here of, you know, a mixture of the way the actor and sort of the makeup design and the, you know, the, the, the voice, the audio all come together really, really well in this. Um, and it is, you know, it, it, for the first half of the film, it is almost like a series of vignettes is like, he's sort of like, you know, or his, his mates are explaining to his girlfriend um, how they got involved in this sort of stuff. So, so they sort of run through a number of cases before getting around to sort of the main bit, which is about this guy, Martin, who is renovating this, this big house, um, not realizing that the people who owned it beforehand were in the middle of doing a, um, some sort of occult ritual basically, and he ends up being possessed by this sort of a high caste uh, demon. And it's very good. The film that it reminded me most of, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, called The Judas Ghost. No. Have you come across that one? It's, it's a British one. And, and, and that in itself actually reminded me of Sapphire and Steel. Um, it is a very good sort of like low budget um, sort of horror movie. And and I kind of got a bit of a, a feel of that with this one. Um, so uh, the main character, Jacob Chandler, you know, he's not a priest. He, he's he's kind of like one of these sort of well-being sort of health guys, uh, really. You know, that he, he runs a sort of health clinic, and that's how he got involved in this sort of stuff. And when when people sort of like going to him, like, you know, well, why is this happening? He's like, well, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you know, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to deal with it as best as I can. And it's it's quite refreshing on you know um, on on that sort of level. I I really did like this. It is, it is quite um, a sort of charming sort of film, and the way it ends as well is is quite enigmatic. You know, it's it's quite open ended. You know, uh, it, it leaves room for other stuff to happen. Um, and and it also you know over the end credits, um, it's got these little clips of the actual guy, Jacob Chandler, doing his exorcisms and things like that, which is which is quite useful. He's, he's sort of clearings, as it's saying. Um, but yeah, the, the effects are pretty good. 
uh, apart from the sort of the typical sort of demonic smoke kind of thing that we always see in these sort of things, you know, but the rest of it, the actual sort of makeup effects, I thought were pretty good. Um, yeah, I really did like this. So that's why I'm giving this an eight out of 10. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is Dragon Cop. Hong Kong police detectives Dragon Yen and Cynthia Chan are about to bust a drug case involving Mr. Chow's triad and American criminal John Rickman. But they will be trapped by Chow's men and will have no choice but to fight to stay alive. Um, okay, so this is by the Mays Brothers, who we've covered before because um, they are awesome um and yeah this is a brilliant uh tribute to you know the uh, 80s um hong kong style we, we get two different styles of hong kong action in this one we get the you know the yen we ping style of sort of, you know Dolly yen and michelle yo kind of kind of stuff um from the likes of well, loads of stuff, but you know, the mm. Tiger Cage Two is definitely a touchstone in this. Um, and then we get the sort of the, the, the more sort of John Woo stuff towards the end, um, with you know, um, with that sort of shootout. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this. It, you know, there's it, it, lots of touchstones in this. There's um, there's a poster from Police Story in the um, in the in the commissioner's uh, office, uh, which is a good, good little Easter egg. Um, you know, the set design, it reminded me of so many films, you know, like, like uh, Dragons Forever and all that sort of stuff. It, it just works really, really well. Um, Steve? Yeah, I enjoyed it. it the Mazer Brothers. Now, hmm. what have theirs have we seen before? Did you see, did you watch Cyborg Deadly Machine with us? Yes, I, th I thought it was. Yeah, so that's was... probably their longest form uh, project. They may, mainly yeah. do short films and, and stuff, and that was a that was fifty minutes long. Uh, that's probably the best example uh, for you know for listeners to sort of go and see what their what their style yeah. is and what they're capable of. Is that, that's probably the best. Ex that's their one of their best pieces of work, I would say. But they also yeah. do lots yeah. of very uh, lots of comedy shorts and spoofs and very retro styling stuff which is right. what they've gone for here yeah yeah um but yeah I, I i like the style you know the 80s throwback style um even even with the dubbing on this it you know it works in that kind of way and yeah i should get a bit of heart in there as well you know especially what mm -hmm. happens about halfway through which yeah. came out of nowhere really you know as as it would um, as, as it would in yeah. Hong, Hong Kong action movies at the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you know even like the end credit scene as well, you know, introducing the sequel, mm. shall yeah. we say? Yeah. Um, yeah, overall, just really, really enjoyed it. So, Rich, I know you've had your eye on this for a while. You've been mm. waiting for it to be released. Um, did it live up to the hype? Yes, to an extent. I think mm -hmm. I think it's not the best. I, you know, I, I have preferred some things like uh, Cyborg Deadly Machine. I think it is. It's a very good pastiche. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it's it's more than 
just a fight scene. I mean, it's barely more than fight mm. scene. I mean, it's mostly an action sequence, but with a bit of setup and and there's a slight location change for the last for the last scene. But um, it's a good teaser for the you know they, what they're trying to do is get a, a, a more ambitious project off the ground off the back of this. So mm. I think in that sense it works really well. But in terms of, uh, I mean, they're masters of pastiche. They, the, the the you know the the the, uh, the the style the aesthetic is completely on point the music's great the there's a great um um a, a sort of a synthy uh pop song called uh, rise of the dragon by hollow flash which is like the theme of the film which is uh which is on par with some of the best that we've had uh like um like the music in kung fury and stuff for example which the um what I find is quite interesting is a lot of this stuff is coming out of France. You know, mm. the, the French in mm. particular yeah. seem to love these kind of 80s movies. So not just the Maze Brothers, but also we had the Commando Roy, Roy, Ninja yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, oh, Godfrey Roy Quart. Yeah. Is he French? Mm, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. we've all uh, say Commando Ninja is probably the close one of the closest oh, yeah. relations to this. And and that in that as well had a short film called Hopkins which was released to build interest for Commando Ninja 2, uh, getting a sort of, because it's all tied in with Kickstarter and stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, the Hong Kong homage kind of thing, The my favourite film to do that has been Duty Out of Line, mm-hmm. uh, which was, uh, was it last year or two years ago now? Um, but I thought I'd, that's just a single fight scene kind of sequence, but I thought that, that, that got me i was more interested in that um here it's kind of uh a bit a bit more typical a bit more conventional i would say i think there was there was some some unusual sort of comic aspects or whatever of that other film but this is you know but you know buddy not buddy cops but you know like a couple of cops in a situation fighter boot it's very straightforward uh, i think the resulting uh Dragon Cop Two could be a lot bigger in scale than and that from from say there's a pitch sort of a pitch video at the end of the film, uh, which gives an idea of a sort of grander vision, which is why they need the why they need the, the you know the, uh, the crowdfunding support because they funded the the Dragon Cop film themselves, but they mm-hmm. they need more money from from uh, from the audience to to try and tell a, tell the bigger story, something more like uh, Cyborg Deadly Machine. So the music's really good. The aesthetics are good. I think you know if you if you like things like Commando Ninja and um, uh, even the, fil- the films by the RKSS uh, team uh, that who, who did uh, t- film wise they went on to do Turbo Kid, but they made a lot of again sort of pastiche um, short films about ninja, you know, sort of parodying ninja movies and stuff. There's a lot of shorts out there by them. So any if, if there's a, there's a lot out there to explore if you like, um, you know, movies with that sort of 80s aesthetic, synth music or whatever. The, the French have got you covered, essentially. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is another great example of that. Um, but it's not the best, but it but it's really good. And it does. I, I'm really, always really excited to see what they've got coming next. And I think if they can get the funding, I think we're going to have a really good film. I think this. I think this is mm. almost pitch pitch perfect. To be honest, guys. I mean, I I, I love that sort of period of Hong Kong action, and yeah, I, I think they nailed it. Basically, I mean, okay, 
yeah, it, yeah. it, it is what it is. But um, I, I think you know the dubbing, the, the the dialogue I thought was great. You know, with the, um, the sort of the American characters, I thought were great. Um, it it really well, worked for me overall. So, well, what you're saying, the thing about the dubbing is that that that's that's part of the aesthetic. That so yeah, the, there is yeah. no. There is a French version, but I'm, 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 I haven't watched it, but I'm almost certain the French version is probably dubbed into French because mm. they've made, I mean, all, in the, you know, all the Hong Kong movies of that time mm. were all dubbed. You know, they didn't record sound well, for I, most, I in, in most cases when they were making it, yeah. it was all added on afterwards. So that, that adds to the, the style. And so they've recreated that and they, they purposely, I mean, Dragon's voice just doesn't really match his character, but that's by design, you know, mm. it's just, it's the way we've gone, and obviously for the uh, the references that you were refer, you know, saying about earlier, all the character oh, names right. and stuff are yeah. all nods to yeah. to um to various people from from the Hong Kong uh, royalty sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. No, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, we we do recommend you check this out. We don't score the shorts. We highly recommend you check out their work. Um, click on the Amazing Brothers, um, I um YouTube page. Check them out. Uh, and give cons serious consideration to maybe contributing to their Kickstarter campaign. Uh, after all, you know, Mad Heidi started out in the same sort of way. And, and look how that turned out. That was absolutely superb. Ended up in our top 10 last year. Um, may maybe we can have Dragon Cops Revenge uh, hitting our charts as well. So there you go. Go check it out. <laughs> Our DTV throwback this week is Andron. A group of people are plunged into a dark, claustrophobic maze where they must fight to survive as the outside world watches. I wouldn't say it was claustrophobic, exactly, IMDb. Um, <laughs> this is quite an expansive set. In, in fact, it is one of the high points of the film for me, is sort of the location which which i imagine is some sort of derelict factory or something that they're all running around in but certainly not claustrophobic um in any shape or form um having said that steve what the hell's going on in this film um christ knows it's i don't know it's like a running man ripoff Setting away Yeah, there are a lot of touchstones. We, you know, you could you could point a cube. You can point to the Hunger Games. Um, yeah. Any, any any film where a bunch of people turn up with no memory of how they got there, you know, there's there's a good handful of those for sure. I highly recommend Unknown with uh, Jim Caviezel. That's well worth checking out. That sounds familiar. That one. Um, it's got Greg Kinnear, a whole bunch of people. They're basically a bunch of people wake up in a warehouse with no memory, uh, and they oh, gradually start to get their memory back. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, cool. But yeah, that's that's what we've got here, isn't it? A bunch of people wake yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. How did they get there? Why are they there? Yeah, um, I've seen it, and I still probably couldn't tell you. To be fair, um, I think one of the major cock-ups with this is giving. Skin from Skunson and Skunson oh, and yeah. basically yeah. all the exposition. And she's a great singer, she's a great it'd artist. Been, she's it'd been brilliant not if she could actress. sing it, you know. Yeah, it'd been great she's if she not could sing her lines. <laughs> but she, you know, unfortunately, yeah, saying her lines out loud wasn't a good move. No, 
Uh, to be honest, I thought I was really, really disappointed in this. Um, when I when you sent the poster, the, you know, to see, I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I kind of remember seeing the trailer. Um, but, yeah, it's all over the place. It doesn't make sense. There's people... I don't know. Are they, are they being possessed? Are they being taken over by Alec Baldwin? I mean, Alec Baldwin is, and Danny Glover are basically sat in a room looking miles mm. away. You know, oh, just yeah. phoning their performances in. They're, they're not even on the set. No. It's computer generated. Literally, set. literally phoning them in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, I was really, really disappointed in this, to be fair. Um, Rich, you, you was, have been looking out for this one for a while. Um, it's now turned up on the, the screening channel on, um, on YouTube. Um, did you make any sense out of this one? Well, I thought it was maybe me. Um, uh, I've, I've, I've been wanting to see it. It's around various places. So it's on the midnight screening. It's also on Prime and mm. various places. Uh, it did have a DVD release. Um, and I thought there's there's good bits and there's bad bits. But the but yes, that there that scene uh, the, the big exposition scene. I kind of drifted away from it so I didn't quite kind of follow that but I think I got the idea that um basically f they do a sort of cabin in the woods kind of thing where they take mm -hmm. some people and try to uh, do this ritual or something or something or other and um each person in the group is sort of representative of a group of people in the general public who they've, they've both basically got like an implant or something everyone's got mm. it so if one of the people in the game dies then the other then those people die and it's all it ultimately ends up being about some, some form of population control but there's all yeah. sort of mister misdirections and sort of lies and you know that because it's all to do with corporations controlling uh, mm. everyone um, and by the time it got to the end I was a bit like I'm sorry what <laughs> um, and I was thought maybe that was me um, but you guys was coming in and saying what was going on that's kind of I feel kind of a bit real reassured by that and I, I just want to um, go back to what you were saying Mike about the uh, the, the location the sort of really run down um, mm. uh, uh, industrial sort of location very classical sort of setting for this kind of stuff yeah. um, I agree. I thought it was shot really well. I thought they made a lot of it. Um, the CG sets uh, that they do just didn't work at all. There's some horrible green screeny CG sets that just don't work. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all the stuff happening in the maze, I thought was shot really well. There was um, uh, the the um, there's some really nice action as well. There's a guy called Alex Martin who's in the movie, very uh, experienced stuntman. He brings a lot to the table. Uh, he's yeah. in he's, he's he's in some of the sort of key moments the film caught my attention the film reason i've always wanted to watch it and say it's been uh, several years uh, since it came out it's made in 2014 i think it came out around 2015 2016 yeah that's right is yeah it looks like it's a low it looks like it's a low budget british movie with alec baldwin in it it's actually it's not british <laughs> it's actually it's a co-production but it's like an if anything it's maltese but the director is Italian, so it's mainly an Italian Maltese production, uh, but with um, with uh, 
British and Canadian financing as well, I think. So it's kind of a, a very international movie, but it's still really weird to see Michelle Ryan from EastEnders and uh, and Alec mm. Baldwin. Alec Baldwin in yeah. a in a in a low budget movie like this is is quite novel. He he actually doesn't do this kind of stuff generally. I mean, he's 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 starred in things of varying quality, but he usually. I mean, this was the same year he did uh, a, his first Mission Impossible film, I believe. Yeah, uh, and he was also mm. sort of you know doing TV stuff and and whatnot. And he's always quite a dignified actor, um, and they've kind of roped him into this in a weird ro- in a role in which he's basically shot essentially by himself in a really big room with a table and oh, the film ridiculous. opens with a shot of it opens with this well okay i'm going to go back to the beginning so it opens with this sort of um unusual sort of graphic sort of thing of like something historical uh, looking over at the the maze i guess but then the voiceover is like talking about like a TV show and like the redemption games and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, these two things don't really match to me. And then it cuts to Alec Baldwin just sort of looking out a window. And I was like, okay, uh, not sure. I gather what's, what's going on at this point. And uh, it kind of, it kind of doesn't really clarify much to there. Danny Glover comes in as well, but yeah, Alec Baldwin is just kind of playing a puppet master kind of character. Mm. Uh, sort of yeah. pulling the strings of what was what's going on and trying to rig the game. And, and then you see some stuff where he's like doing some TV. It's a bit of a um, death race 2000 and all that sort of stuff, kind of satire. Well, not satire, it's not really satirical, but they're trying to do this cold at the um, running man. Again, what you guys mentioned is probably a better example, yeah. but on a, on a really low budget, but some of it looks really decent, mm. but a lot of it doesn't. Uh, and uh it is that kind of weird meld. Now, Michelle Ryan, I was thinking, oh, that's quite interesting. She's she's in it, but she doesn't really have much to do. Okay, they, they do a little bit with her at the end, but I was looking at her IMDb and she her career really sort of tailed off, unfortunately. I mean, mm. I always think of her as being quite successful, but, you know, she came off of EastEnders. She got the, the Bionic Woman, which was a massive break, but then got cancelled after like nine episodes and her career kind of never really reached that height again and she's kind of turned up in uh films of you know various things but nothing particularly high profile and it, it wasn't until sort of checking this out and looking at her imdb that i realized that was the case she's you know she's knocking around but you know it it, it essentially the glory days are unfortunately past um but you know this she's fine in this um everyone's got a skin i like and that was the other thing that really interested me i was like that skin <laughs> On the yeah. cover, I was like, "What?" Yeah. And she's like you say, she's not an actress. She doesn't really do much acting, and oh, uh, so that really novel. Mm-hmm. I thought you've got Alec Baldwin, you've got Skin from Skunk and Nancy, you've got Michelle Ryan, you've got the um, I, I'm not going to get her name, but um, we watched the film Black Medicine, uh, which oh, was yeah, really the, really um, good, uh, Irish... starring Antonia Campbell Hughes. And I was watching ah, this, and yeah. I was like, I recognise her from something, and I looked it up, and it was. That's what it was from. So the cast is pretty solid. I mean, say we've got this Alex Martin guy. The cast is pretty solid. Danny Glover and everything. But the the story is too confusing. The CGI, you know, sets, you know, or, you know, um, whatever you want to call them, background, or you know, a bit like what these days they would, you know, be like the, the high end version is like volume and and the Mandalorian and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But this is like a few years ago when they were just doing it on a cheap green screen and it just didn't come off. That doesn't really work um and uh 
I think overall it's it's a curio, you know, because how many Maltese sci-fi, you know, dystopia movies featuring Alec Baldwin are there? But the uh, but the yeah, it's just um, it's 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 well deserving of its sort of uh, what's what's the word? Um, obscurity. What's it called? Obscurity. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. exactly the word I'm looking for. It's quite deserving of its obscurity. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's loads of films of this ilk, I think, knocking around. Hunger Games, um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the, what's, what's that other one? Um, something Maze, the Maze Runner. Oh, the Maze Runner. The, yeah. the trilogy yeah. and things like that. Um, but there you go. It isn't, yeah, there is an oddity. There, there are some compelling reasons to watch it if you come across it, for sure. Um, it is a curio, but at the same time, you know, You'll watch it and go, why haven't I heard this before? And then you watch it and go, ah, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> well, we don't Alec Baldwin the, is uh, at least in it quite a bit. He does turn yeah, up quite a lot in the movie. Um, it, yeah, but it is Danny Glover kind of, less so, I think. But... Yeah, Danny Glover's only got like three scenes, I think. But there's, I didn't understand what was happening with Danny Glover and that girl. No, girl, no, yeah. no idea. What? what because he was supposed to be like the mayor of the city or, or some, you know, the guy in charge of the city. And, that, and then, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I think they were trying to lead in at the end to a, because there's that, oh, that's the thing. There's the mid credits scenes. Did you see those? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no, <probably not. laughs> it's, like, it's almost like, yeah, because there's a whole bit with it. Well, there's this character and, you know, who's quite, it seems there's some sort of importance to her and she dies, right? And then it's like, oh, she wasn't dead after all. I was like, what? They kind of did that with that other character right at the end of the film, didn't they? When he, when he suddenly wakes up, and you go, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, and that was it. it again. Yeah, there was that one. Yeah, they do that basically. Yeah, again. And, the whole uh, thing was I, like, I was like, oh, you think this is the reality? But actually, no. This is all just a CGI composite or something, and they strip yeah. it all away. And it's like, and then you thought this was the reality. Well, no, this isn't the reality either. You know. It's like a dream within a dream within a dream kind of kind of thing. Yes, I did not. I didn't really get where, uh, where they were where they were going. But <laughs> yeah, if you want to watch a film where people wake up in a science fiction sort of environment, don't know where they are, and try to figure it out, whatever, what go and watch Cube. I would say, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Cube is at the top. I mean, there's loads. I mean, Roll Rens done a couple of films like this. Um, yeah, there's all sorts. But anyway. Um, okay, we don't score these. Uh, we don't score the um, the throwbacks, but we kind of, you know, sometimes recommend you go and check them out. <laughs> you know, this one may 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 tickle your fancy. Um, but yeah, you can find it on numerous platforms uh, for free. Uh, we mentioned the uh, the midnight screening. It's also on um, on Amazon Prime, and you probably pick it up on a, on a couple of other uh, YouTube channels as well. Uh, that is the end of this week's show. So thanks to Rich and Steve for joining me. We had a bit of a slog through this week. Lots of stuff to get through. Um, but most of all, most of it was of a decent quality. I really did like Bad City. Uh, Condor's Nest was a good was a good second place for me. Um, and then, you know, The Possessed and The Dead Bride both, both certainly had their merits. Um, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest. And don't forget to check out the short shots where Rich will curate a new short uh, film every evening around about eight o'clock. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time.
Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.